Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today are the dynamic duo of Daniel Mangana and Alex Standy. This is your Daily Dose of Happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And we're especially happy that uh, Dan and Alex are both with us, especially Dan, because uh, as Alex very uh, adroitly termed it, he's been island hopping. And he's been hanging out with the stars. He, he, he just spent some time with Sir Richard Branson. It's a rough life, you know, when you have to hang First out with Sir Richard problem. Branson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's great to have you back. How was that? I mean, tell us what happened there, Dan. That sounded like it was a, an exciting thing. Yeah, a mastermind that I'm in, um, amongst other amazing adventures. They go there annually. Uh, and so I was, uh, I was able to join them on the trip this year. It was, uh, Really awesome. Um, Sophia and Yannick have cultivated a relationship with Sir Richard and with Virgin for the last decade. And so he actually was like, it wasn't like walking through. He was like having breakfast with us. We having lunch, chopping up about world issues, getting mentored, jamming in the hot tub. I got some one-on-one time because we were playing chess together. He was like playing tennis with folks, hiking, bike riding. Like he was just hanging out with us. It was really, really awesome. That is wow. fabulous. Yeah. So yeah. I, now I know you had certain hopes that were going to happen in terms of, you know, how the whole weekend was going to, how the whole week was going to play out. Did you mm-hmm. achieve your hopes? Did it, did it actually wake up, work out the way you wanted? Beyond, 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 beyond. <laughs> uh, yeah, really excited. Got to brainstorm on, um, on a, a project that one of his charities is doing, and I'm going to be doing some work with that charity, BBI Unite, which is really awesome. And uh, just really motivated. And the other entrepreneurs that were there, just amazing. I got to hang out with Ravi Kant, who wrote the book, Clue Your Truth and Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends on It. Awesome guy. He's going to come on the podcast. Um, Neil Strauss, who's another author I really respect. He was there. Um, uh, Max Lugavir, who's just an, an awesome researcher and an author who was booked for my podcast the week before. And I didn't know he was going to be there. And then I found out and we hung out a little bit since nice. then. And, Danette May, who's also another rock star. Serena Poon, another amazing, awesome influencer in the space. Just some really great people that I got to meet and connect with and, and learn from. So I was really, really, really glad. Really, really glad. Yeah, that's really the, the big advantage to going to an event like that, particularly with people at that level. But you're hanging out with people who have not just had incredible lives, but incredible minds and have yeah. so much to contribute, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, that's yeah, really, what makes really, all the difference. Really, really glad. Some great relationships built, so. Good stuff. Well, welcome back. Glad to have you back. It's been it's been a while since we've had you here because you've been island hopping so much, but we're really glad to have you back here on the show. And we have a special guest joining us today who's actually a little bit under the weather, so he's kind of uh, he's going the extra mile. His name is Joe Templin. And first of all, Joe, we hope you're feeling better as soon as possible. In fact, that's like a direct order. You, you are going to feel better. You hear that? Okay. Yeah, right. He's, he's oh, not going to up and down. <laughs> but seriously, though, thanks for joining us today. Um, I hope your, your, your voice holds out a bit. But uh, tell people a little bit about your background. What, you know, where are you from and, and uh, what are some of your more interesting stories? How much time do we have? So I'm state <laughs> New York. Um, let's see, I was dead at 10 from asthma, which is probably explains the reason why I act like I do in a lot of ways and I'm just absolutely driven and I burn the candle at both ends and in the middle. Uh, that's why I get yelled at. And sometimes I break down like this. Uh, I started college at 13 because my parents said 12 was too young to begin college. Uh, I was an applied physicist, worked for DARPA. Then I went into financial planning, did that for years. 
Uh, I'm also a former world champion Taekwondo stylist. And so that led me to study uh, performance and behavioral psychology and sales psychology, uh, which I tapped into when I did my two ultra marathons last year. I'd be training for one right now, but I broke my leg, so I'm not allowed to run and I'm sick. It's not a fun day. Um, and I am the author of Everyday Excellence, which was the Amazon Kindle number one new release in professional development. So, congratulations on that. And, and what was the impetus behind the book? Tell us how that all got going. So the book has been 40 plus years in development because my mind is like a super saturated solution in a lot of ways. When I was eight, maybe I told my mom I wanted to learn everything there was to learn. So she told me that I'd better get to work. Uh, explains a lot. And um, so I've got a very eclectic background. I say uh, eclectic as opposed to Renaissance man, because I can't draw a straight line, even with a ruler. Uh, <laughs> one of my weaknesses. But so I've been just pushing myself, learning, studying. I've written a bunch of poetry. I've written a bunch of trade books for uh, the financial world. And I was working out. And all of a sudden it hit me while I was listening to some Black Sabbath and Jocko Willink that excellence is a habit. Habits need to be executed every day. All of a sudden I had that Satori moment that Tim Ferriss talks about. And I had the vision of how I was going to do this. Came upstairs and brain dumped out the concept and the structure of everyday excellence, which is really a daily multivitamin for life. And then went downstairs, finished my workout because the job wasn't done. And then started getting to work on it and wrote it in about a thousand hours over the next six months. Wow. Well done. And, and you're from upstate New York, you said? Yes. So we went from 70 plus degrees to snowing again. What, what, what part of, of upstate New York? I grew up in Schenectady, so I'm kind of curious to know oh, where you are. Oh, dude. Okay. I went to RPI. Oh, okay. I'm from Saratoga. Okay. So, now, so for everybody who's listening, Schenectady, New York was the home of General Electric Right. And our area was number two on the Russian nucleus through most of the 80s yes. because we had the highest <laughs> concentration of PhDs in the country outside of uh, Washington, D.C. Yes, exactly right. Yes. So um, so Saratoga, well, that's a beautiful uh, little town right there. I mean, that's a fabulous place to be. Is, is that where you currently live or are you living in another area now? Or? I, I live in a, a town over. And I say Saratoga because... My hometown up here actually did not have a traffic light until after I was out of graduate school. We rode, so nobody would ever know what my town was. Oh, okay. So now, now you guys, we're testing my knowledge here. So let's see if I, I recognize what town you're in. What town are you actually in? Uh, so it's got two words in it, and it's in Saratoga County. Two words in Saratoga County. Baltimore Spa? I just moved from Balsify. I grew up in Greenfield Center. So Oh, okay, okay. I, I had to hit both the two word ones. So. Okay, cool. All right. Like cover all. You're, you're testing my memory because, I mean, I, I haven't lived in I'm impressed. New York. I'm really impressed. I mean, I haven't lived there since, like, 78. I mean, it's been a few years. <laughs> and I've not been there ever. <laughs> ever, right? Me neither. So, so Saratoga like, oh is like bath. England in a lot of ways. It's got oh. the old water baths and mineral oh, yeah. baths. It's got the horse track. It's got a lot of arts and uh, things along those lines. And oh. it's also the home of the potato chip, whereas you guys would call them crisps. I yes, like sir. what you're doing here. 
You can add psychic to your list of magical things. Psycho, got it. That happens to be my vice. <laughs> well, it's nice to know that Dan has advice. That's the first thing I first time I knew that, Joe. So thank you for helping us clear that up. That's a good thing. <laughs> Another gift. I love it. And Joe isn't the only one who's uh, recuperating because Alex, you're you're going through some medical stuff yourself, and you're also joining us on the show. So thank you for being a trooper. How are you? Are you feeling better? I'm feeling better than a week ago, yes. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Because you've been going through some serious stuff. So every day of recovery yeah. for you is really important. So I'm glad to hear yes. that. Yeah. And uh, you and Kenny. You look much better doing it, too, than I do. Huh? I'm sorry. What did you say? You, you look so much better recovering than I do, too. I've just been pampered and spoiled. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, now, if I remember correctly, we haven't talked about this in a while, but you and Kenny, uh, this past couple month period, were kind of starting up um, the the uh, whole tattooing thing there on the Cape where you guys are located. I'm wondering, how's that coming along? Because I haven't really caught up with you about that. Um, that is also still a work in progress. He's got to do one anatomy class, and then we'll be good to go in Massachusetts. Okay, good. Already good to go in Rhode Island, so... Oh, you are? Oh, I didn't know that. So you live in Massachusetts, but you're yes. set to go in Rhode Island, but not in Massachusetts. No, we're not set to go in Rhode Island. He's he's from Rhode Island, so he's uh, his uh, license uh. in Rhode Island, which means he can tattoo anywhere. Got but he it. wants to get licensed in Massachusetts so he can open up his shop in Massachusetts. Got it. Okay. But there right. are plans for the second shop to be in Rhode Island. So you are going to do one in Rhode, Rhode Island. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's going to be uh, yeah, that, that's, a bunch of them all over New England. But but that that's not an easy commute because I I know what it takes to go from yeah. it, it's it's a short distance I mean in miles it's not very far but getting from A to B through that mm-hmm. route I mean you basically have one bridge that's it <laughs> you don't have a whole lot of options yep <laughs> one way in or out that's pretty much it but we we're, we're we're working on having other staff that we can trust that to be there when oh, we're not okay. there okay mm-hmm. good yeah well delegate as much as you can delegating sort of yes. Absolutely. And we're also working on something new. Um, Kenny wants to start a project where we are, um, what's the word? Uh, not start, well, I guess, yeah, starting an organization for uh, research in thoracic endometriosis. Really? Okay. Cause, and, and the reason that's important is because that's a, a very rare condition you have been dealing with. Yes. And, and it's been leading to these various medical issues you've been experiencing. So less than eight percent of women get this. Yeah, so that's pretty rare. There yeah. isn't a lot of research, and that's why I'm going through everything because they don't know what to do. They're making it up as they go along, basically. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm the guinea pig, so you, you, you're a very successful guinea pig, and we'll, we will continue. I hope so. <laughs> Well, you have. You, I mean, you've been. Despite going through everything, you're you're still thriving. You're still smiling. You're you're still feeling pretty good, considering. So, I would call that yeah. a successful path that you're going through. It's trying for sure. For but, sure. Yeah. And that's probably because of who Alex Candy is. I mean, she's just like a happy person, anyway. <laughs> I so, try yeah. day to day. <laughs> so, anyway, we have. Um, we, we've been in, introducing a new um, a feature. That is actually an old feature. Dan may actually remember this one. Alex, you may remember this too. Um, we used okay. to do Q and A's here on the show, and yes. they were a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes we would actually get emails from listeners. Other times we were just going onto various social media places and uh, finding questions to address. And it, 
what I was realizing, I, I realized a couple things about it. First, we had some of our most in-depth conversations doing these. And then I kind of like stopped doing them, and I, I don't really know why. Just kind of stopped. I don't know. We go through phases. Yeah, that's true. We do, do. We go through a lot of phases. That's very true. But I was realizing that not only do we get um, really interesting conversations, but we had a lot more audience um, involvement in those situations because people were sending the emails and so forth. So right. I'm thinking, okay, let's get back to that because that's, that's kind of fun. And plus, now that we have, uh, we're always bringing in a guest each week, so we have Joe this week, um, then we can tie that perspective in. I mean, you guys know how much I love having different perspectives. So, you mm-hmm. know, I figure we'll, we'll bring up a question and each one of us can you know, give the answer like as if we were talking to that person directly. They'd come to us with the issue, and here's what we're dealing with, and just see what kind of fun we can have with that. So, does that sound good to you guys? Sure. I'll All right. Let's go for it. Now, these are going to be uh, – uh, Dan and Alex will know that in the past we usually did questions related to law of attraction or conscious creation, that kind of thing. The new twist is that I'm reaching out to people who are just posting about anything, and most of these people have no idea what law of attraction is. Or if they do, they have incorrect information about it. Um, in fact, that, as I've been interacting with them, I've been kind of like using it as an opportunity to see how can I communicate to somebody who doesn't know my vernacular, who doesn't know how I talk about things and think about things and so forth. So it's kind of like a way of stretching myself, too. So you'll want to keep in mind as you're answering these questions who it is we're talking to. We're talking to people who really don't know any of this stuff. So with that little setup, let me just pull up. I, I got a list of them that I've been collecting lately and i'll just put a couple up here and see what we can draw on I'll, I'll, okay here here's a relatively uh short one so we'll start with this one <clears throat> this is a woman who won a hundred thousand dollars she didn't say how she won it but it, it's the way she wrote it it sounded like it was like a lottery or something like that um she said she won a hundred thousand dollars she says i'm trying to not be stupid with it paying off husband's medical bills a little on my car, going back to school and giving some to our family for their kids as they don't have any and some to friends who have helped us through our current situation. I'm trying to save the rest, about 30000 And she's asking, what's the best way to put that into something that makes interest uh, and, and makes as much back as possible is what she's looking for. So pretty straightforward kind of a, a, of a request for help, but I figured it, it gives us a couple of interesting angles in terms of some of the choices she's making about how she's using the money and she's taking some of it to help people out and all that kind of thing. So I think I'll go to our guest first. Joe, if, if you were talking to this woman, how would you recommend that uh, she proceed? So the interesting thing is I have 25 plus years as a financial planner. So I probably am one of the, uh, I don't want to say the most qualified, but I'd be like, well, you know, what's this? What's this? What's this? But the most important thing is to understand the goal. What is most important for this woman? And when is it? I mean, you said, she said that she's got family who are in need, you know, so if you give them money, what ends up happening is it's give a man a fish sort of thing. And if their mindset's not proper, then they're going to burn through it. The stock market is always a good way because you're outsourcing to professional management. There's all sorts of risks associated with that. But over my life, the thing that I've found is the best investment, if you're ready to work at it, is always yourself. Whether it's education, starting a business, you know, mentoring, real estate, whatever, but something where you can add your brain and your brawn to the bucks 
to be able to get extra returns and then have that little nest egg be able to compound and grow as opposed to siphoning it off. Okay. That's good. Alex, you want to take a swing at it? Uh, do something for yourself. Take that money. I mean, I, I see in, in the conversation, she's like, oh, I'm going to do this for this person. I'm going to do this for this person. But what are you doing for yourself? Like, take some of that money and do something fun. Take a vacation. That's what I would do. All right. And Daniel, how would you uh, advise this woman? Hmm. I'm with Joe. Uh, I can already hear from what she's done with it that she's got a poverty mentality. Um. 90% of lottery winners go back to exactly where they were within five years. Uh, not just lottery winners, windfall winners, so people who get a windfall, because they don't have the capacity to hold the new thing. They don't have a state of being that can hold the new thing. So she doesn't have the habits of a person who can have that much money. She doesn't have the belief system, probably, of a person who can hold that money, and probably not the emotional state capable of doing that. And so, uh, you know, we're down to 30% of the whole thing. I do hope that she has done something for herself, as Alex suggested. But um, I would say to leave this situation better off, if not financially, then as a state of being, take some of that money and go and spend it on um, on something to improve herself. Um, and when it comes to the rest, inflation hedges. So get some professional advice on inflation inflationary hedges. Uh, saving it as cash is one of the most ridiculous things to do right now. Um, and that's it. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the one phrase you used, because I thought it was an important one, the poverty mindset. Let's talk about yes. that for a little bit, uh, because, I mean, this is actually something you and I have talked about in the past in other contexts, too. I remember you telling the story at one point about the, the client you had that you'd hooked up with some people. He, he had, had, like, a huge lottery windfall and ended up following the wrong advice. So uh, mm -hmm. I kind of thought about that when I, I mean, this is a smaller amount, but I kind of thought about that story when I, when I saw this one. Yeah, a smaller amount, but the same situation, you know, we, we, we make choices based on where we are. And this isn't something that's going to change. Like there's all, whenever you're moving to the next level of what you're, you're doing, you're going to come up against roadblocks. Um, you're going to come up against um, limiting beliefs. You're going to come up against habits that don't match. It's always going to, going to happen. So there's a, a relativity of poverty mindset that moves depending on our financial situation. Someone who's making a million dollars a month when wanting to move to $10 million a month can also experience a poverty mindset relative to their current situation. And so, yeah, the idea of poverty mindset, I think sometimes people just associate it with being a peasant or whatever. And, uh, oh, you know, I live on the breadline. I live on a dollar a day. Not necessarily. Um, you can have a poverty mindset and have a lot of money. Just are you enjoying the money that you've got or are you in a state of fear and anxiety around it? Um, yeah, it's definitely something I would say is, is imperative to address. Which raises the next question, which is, okay, if you recognize in yourself that you do have this mindset, no matter what the amount of money is, you have this mindset of fear, because really that's what is at the root of the poverty mindset is this mindset of fear. What steps can, can you take to shift that? Because that's really the goal is is – like uh, I think Joe made reference to the idea of teaching somebody to fish. Well, you know, you, in order to teach them how to fish, they have to have the mindset for fishing. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure Joe's probably got something fabulous to say on this, but I mean, what's the opposite of the fear for me? The opposite of lack-based fear is abundance. 
So I would actually just focus on building an abundant, not just mindset, but an abundant identity, an abundant emotional state, an abundant mindset, and abundant habits. And, and Joe, let's bring you in on that. Uh, what's, what's your take? First of all, what's your take on this whole idea of a poverty mindset? And then what's your contribution? I completely agree with Daniel on this because people self-sabotage all the time. It doesn't matter if it's their finances. It doesn't matter if it's their relationship. It doesn't matter if it's their health. People have an idea that is typically uh, early on from their life. So one of the questions I always ask my clients is, what is your earliest and or strongest memory of money from growing up? And how is that affected? And so then we can start unpacking the emotions around it. By the way, anybody who has a significant other, this is a critical conversation because in the United States, roughly half the marriages end in divorce and communication around finances is the number one reason. So have that discussion with yourself about your early and strong memories of money and how they have affected you now. Um, have it with your significant other. If need be, bring somebody else in, whether it's a professional in finance, whether it's a, a mindset individual, so that you can look at this from multiple points of view and be able to start connecting the dots of, oh, yeah, I did that because of this feelings that I haven't resolved. And so by being able to go through that, you then can look at your behavior around it and then from there, you can start building a plan around what the ultimate goal is that might include regular saving. It, for some people, it includes uh, education or spending more on certain things. So that way, you have actions that are moving you forward towards a better mindset and ultimately a better reality. Okay, that's good. And, and actually, this is a, a topic that is near and dear to my heart in that um, when I look at my own background, my, my parents were both of the depression, of the Great Depression, and that depression mentality, I mean, my, my parents loved me and my brother and my sister. They, they did everything they could to give us a good start in life. But the bottom line was that that depression mentality permeated every aspect of our lives. And they, 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 despite everything that they tried to do to overcome it, it was, it was always there. And, and I, I don't think I even really appreciated just how important that was until like the last couple of years or so, because I mean, it was never, it's not like that was a topic of conversation. It's not like we we're always talking about, you know, how, uh, you know, how tough the depression was. I actually would have to, you know, dr drill my dad for like, okay, so what was it like growing up in the depression? And, you know, he'd, he'd eventually grudgingly give me some information about it, but it's not like he was constantly going around saying, well, money doesn't grow on trees or whatever. It was rather, it was more subtle than that. It was, it was just subtle mes messaging that they weren't really trying to give that just, you, you kind of pick it up because you're living in the same house with these people and they're your primary influences because they're your parents. So I, I totally get why it's so important to not only notice that it happens, but to but to find ways to kind of drill down and, and deal with it because it, it's it's I'm not even sure what the right word is. It, it's such it, it seems like it's a hidden problem for somebody like with my background because I didn't think of it as a problem, and yet it has certainly affected my life. So. Just wanted to throw that in there. Um, let's uh, pull up another question here. This is uh, from a different group, different person, and it's a different topic. It's about relationships. 
this particular person says, anyone else getting over an ex or end things with someone they're dating and then start seeing dating or be in a relationship or whatever with someone new later on down the road and then out of nowhere, the ex from the past reaches out to you without even knowing you're involved with something new. And their question was, is this a test from the universe? I saw that phrase. I said, okay, i got to bring this one in. So I'm going to go to Alex for a second because I love the look on your face, Alex. And I could just see, I could practically hear what's going to come out of your mouth. But what's your Why take on Why is it this? always me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Well, because I, I, mean, I was just seeing your, your laugh and your smile as I was reading this thing. You, you, your eyes were practically rolling. <laughs> If you feel like it's a test from the universe, it's a test from the universe. And if you want to take the challenge, you take the challenge. And whatever decision you decide to make is the decision you decide to make. But be sure that you're okay with it. That pretty much summarizes it for Alex Sandy right there. (laughs) Be okay with it. Feel good about it. Uh, Joe, let's go to you. What do you think about this particular situation? Oh, I am the worst person in the world to ask about this. Because, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Deeply in love with who is struggling with narcissism and addiction and in complete and total denial about it. And right now is in her I hate Joe phase again. And watching her choices and decisions and having other people say, whoa, what's going on with her? You know, and literally having nothing that I can do because right now the person she's gaslighting the most is herself. And the only person who believes what she's feeling is her. So my recommendation, which, you know, you guys can blow me out of the water on this. In fact, you might have to is, you know, just be true to yourself and your belief system. So if you believe that, you know, love is powerful and patient and, you know, can get you through hell, then take that approach. You know, don't act rashly, which with love is always a weird thing to say. Maybe it's the physicist in me coming out, but take the longer term view of these things as opposed to the short-term noise that's going on. Step back, and as it, uh, we used to talk about, make the less dumb choice. Make, make what? Make the less dumb choice. Oh, the less dumb choice. Oh, okay, yes. <laughs> so I'm, I'm expecting uh, some blowback on this from you guys, because as I said, you know, this is not my area of expertise. Well, that, that's one of the things we like to do. We like to stretch everybody. So consider yourself to have been stretched today. How about that? <laughs> so, Daniel, what's your take on this guy, on this on this lady, rather? I'm sorry. Uh, I'm kind of taking aboard what Joe and Alex have said. Like, uh, my, as you know, I'm reality wraps around how you feel. And if you hold a belief, that's the bias with which you're going to see your reality. Even if it's not what's there, that's the lens through which you're your mind's going to see things. And if you are okay with continuing to see things that way, then crack on, but don't complain to me about it. If you want to do something different, then it's going to require you letting go of the idea that that is what it has to be. But that's what a lot of the challenge is with this kind of work. It's not that it's difficult to create change. It's difficult to let go of the person who we are 
that's so used to the thing that we want to change in the first place. Mm. How addicted are they to that narrative? Because the level of addiction is going to dictate just how likely a change is going to be. Yeah, that's good. I like that. And I'll I'll throw. Can I make a comment about the lens? Yeah, go ahead. Actually, go go. So earlier, Walt, when you were talking about the uh, law of attraction, I interpret that as uh, activation system. Basically, the filter that we see the world through because we have roughly 60 to 80,000 thoughts per day. Most of them are routine. We make 10 to 15,000 micro decisions every single day. The vast majority of them are routine. And it's all clouded on how we perceive reality, what we're focusing on, because that is so overwhelming that we need to eliminate a lot of the stimuli. So that's one of the reasons why we notice movement because we need to see, is that a saber-toothed tiger that's going to eat me? This is the reason why entrepreneurs always find other entrepreneurial opportunities, because their brain literally is filtering and winnowing for those opportunities. So if somebody is looking at the world through a lens, and they have people around them that can have the difficult discussions with them about why they're doing that, and create the support structure so that they can at least have some metacognitive awareness and look at why they're thinking like they do as opposed to being in denial like very often happens when people are struggling with narcissism or addiction. So if they can actually look at what they're doing from a third-party point of view as opposed to from internal from themselves where it's all emotionally driven uh, and very often biochemically, then we can ultimately potentially have some better outcomes. Very good. I like that. <clears throat> well stated. Well stated, rather, excuse me. Um, I, I think I just want to add one other thought to what you guys have been saying, because I think all, what all of you said was really good for this person. Um, and that, that extra thought is this. Whatever your choices are is going to be what dictates. I mean, that my way, that's my way of saying whatever you focus your attention on, that's what you're going to get more of. Um, that's what the mm-hmm. whole law of attraction thing is that uh, we talk about here and what Joe was just referencing. So you really get a choice here. First of all, you get a ch- chance to sort out what your priorities are. I mean, regardless of what the universe is, is doing to test you, the real question is, what do you want? I mean, do you like what's going on right now? You have this new relationship. Do you want to have the old relationship back? What do you actually want? Because whenever I see somebody who puts out a question, well, you know, what would you do in this situation? My first question back to them is, well, what would you do? This is your situation. It's not mine. I don't have to decide. I'm already happily married. This is, this is not something I'm dealing with right now, right? So what would you do? <laughs> What's important mm-hmm. to you? What's your priority? What's in, what, what is it that is driving you right now? Because the, whenever somebody asks a question like that, the first thought that goes to my mind is they haven't asked themselves. They haven't decided what they want. They haven't decided. They haven't sorted out their priorities. So... Sort out your priorities. Sort out your priorities because once you do, it's going to be a lot clearer to you what you want to do. Once you made it clear what you want to do, the universe is going to start filling it in for you. So that's my take on it. Daniel. I was going to just, just kind of – because I, I used to have this thing. And so I'm, I'm very vocal about sort of speaking to this whole thing of, Oh, it's another test from the universe. I'm in the river. I'm in the river of change. Oh, just, just, just one more lesson for me to learn. And I remember 
one of my earlier mentors, a guy called Patrick, I, I, this is like after I lost everything the first time and I was getting ready to build everything the second time, which required this lesson, because things kept happening. And he looked at me and he said, D, when are you going to finish school, mate? Like <laughs> 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 what? He goes, you're always learning a lesson. You're always learning a lesson. You're always learning. <laughs> when are you going to finish school? And then it, that formed the basis of what I call perpetual planning loop now. This whole thing of the mind using the thing of needing to learn a lesson to keep you wrapped in a loop of things just staying the same. Even the idea that the universe is teaching you a lesson is wholly predicated on you holding the belief that you have to learn a lesson anyway. Because yeah. there's no tyrannical thing saying, this is the edict upon which your reality must unfold. It's like your belief system is literally <laughs> writing the script. And if you want to include in the script that you keep needing to have these nasty lessons, then that's going to be the case. Now, is there contrast? Is there tension? Is there polarity? Yes, but they're not like, it's not personal. It's like, oh, let's create this bump of the road just for Walt, <laughs> just for Alex, just for Joe. And that is happening. But we start to attach it and start to mm. build an identity around this thing happening when it was just happening. Oh my God, there was a wave. What's the lesson for me? Which past life did I mess up in? <laughs> like, that's not even what's going on. There was a wave, right? right. <laughs> and then we attach a story to it. So all these things that, you know, they're saying are a lesson, they could just be a thing. And even if it was a lesson, the time that you spent, <gasps> oh, what is it? It's like, you're not even moving forward. So what was the point in it in the first place? That's my somewhat cynical perspective on it. Like, just get out of school, mate. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Get out yeah. of school. That's great. <laughs> yeah, finish. Graduate, man. Graduate. All right. Well, after seeing how we handle this one, I'm going to be really curious to see how we handle the next one because it's another um, financial money kind of a question. This It's really short, and it's from a relatively young person. I, I'm not sure even if this person is on their own yet or not but I can just read you what they wrote. They said, so today my mom told me to go get a job because she doesn't understand that I make money from gambling online. What should I do? <laughs> Joe's shaking his head. Joe, you want to take the first swing at this? <laughs> I had people that were clients of mine that were associated with the MIT blackjack team. So, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> so... And now I'm going to tell them that, you know, and I, I remember when, you know, the poker craze hit with Chris Moneymaker and all that. And I don't want to say have a backup plan, but diversify your winnings, you know, take them and put them someplace else. And if you're going to do this, I want you to, build a skill set that goes beyond just the poker table. So for example, studying stoicism so that you can control your emotions, studying psychology so that you can learn to read things, you know, getting your background in mathematics because the best poker players are very often mathematicians and physicists True. because they're calculating the odds like mad. So if you're making money from it, don't fall for the small sample size. You know, in baseball, being a big Yankees fan, anyone can hit 500 over two days. True. What are you going to do over an extended period of time? 
what is your process? And so I talk with my nephew, who's uh, probably going to play Division One baseball, about what's your approach. Tell me about what you do in each at-bat, how you do this and everything, so that he is very analytical around it because you're always going to have a bad beat. Somebody's always going to get lucky. Hopefully it's you. But remember that is process more than any particular outcome. And so make sure that you are in a position where no particular bet, no particular tournament, none of that can swamp you. Because as we've seen in like venture capital and startup businesses, you know, if you can remain in the game long term, you can win. So I would ask this individual, what is your discipline to become a master in this? And if you're not ready to become disciplined to the point where you are a top 1% player, maybe even one-tenth of 1% player, apply that discipline or whatever discipline you have to learn something else and then just play in the weekly game with your buddies for beers. That's good. I love that. I like that a lot, actually. Dan or Alex, either one of you want to jump in on this one? I stay away from gambling. I also stay away from gambling and get a job. <laughs> You're with well, the mom. They, they might be good at it. They, they, they might, might be, be good, good at it, it, but the thing is, if their mom is telling them to get a job, they're probably not very good at it. Or, or mom doesn't understand. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I moms don't understand. My mom wanted me to stay a physicist instead of going and into finance. And when I was in the top 1% of the industry in the country a couple of years later, she's actually like, eh, maybe you made the right choice. So moms, what they want is they always want what's best for you versus dad who's going to kick you out and say, you know, don't die. Like I tell my kids, don't die. <laughs> don't die. Um, <laughs> so, you know, because scars are lessons. So the question is, are they getting enough lessons to truly make a decision around this? And how are they looking at this? I mean, what's your business plan? If this is your startup business, same way that if you're a brand new attorney going out on your own or you're a band that you know wants to be successful or an author, what's your plan so that you can survive and ultimately thrive? If you don't have the plan, you don't have the discipline, you don't have the people around you who can give you the tough love and look at you and say, I love you, but then you're putting yourself in an overly emotional position where you are going to have ups and downs to the point where it could potentially break you and make your mom cry. <laughs> make your mom cry. Yes. <laughs> At the end of the day. <laughs> At the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm totally with you on that one. And in fact, um, I, I, I actually thought about whether to even try doing something like that at one point, because I'm a pretty fair um, online poker player. But then I remembered something really important, and, and it, led, it would lead me to ask a question of this person, and that is, why do you love it so much that you want to do it for a living? And the reason I want to ask that question is there is a huge difference between doing it for fun and doing it for a living. They're really very, very different things. And, and as, as soon as I thought about that, I realized, hell no, I don't want to do this for a living. You have to ride all those crazy waves. You have, like you were talking about, Joe, you have bad beats. You have, you know, things that happen. Luck just goes against you for a bit. You know, and, and, and you can start second guessing yourself. And it doesn't take long to go down a spiral once you're going down a spiral. I don't care who you are. I don't, you, you could be Chris Moneymaker. You're still, Chris Moneymaker goes down spirals. The difference is Chris Moneymaker has already figured out how to handle the spirals. 
He's already figured out what his long-term plan is. So that's why I go back to you. Why do you want to do this for a living? You know, if you're doing it for fun, I get that. I mean, I, I, I've actually been fairly successful playing poker, but I don't want to do it for a living because I know what happens when I do that. All of a sudden, what used to be a passion and, and a fun thing becomes a drudgery. Who wants that? So that would be my point to him. Why do you want to do it? What's so important about it? Just my take. Oh, and uh, Monique jumping in on the live stream says, I love it and totally agree about sorting out priorities. So thank you for jumping in, Monique, with that one, because I totally agree with you about that. All right, let's bring in one more. We'll just do one more um, Q&A thing today, Q&A topic. And I'm kind of scrolling through to see what we've got here that might be interesting for this particular group. All right, well, here's an interesting one. How do you all manage stress? And they throw in a disclaimer saying that they are, have been diagnosed with anxiety to make it more tricky. They, they say, here's uh, things I started and do daily for three months now, now and I'm still so stressed. Um, they go to the gym like five days a week for an hour or so. They switch it up with outside walks. They go swimming on two days because they enjoy that. Um, they read and take bubble baths every, every few days. Um, they get eight hours minimum of sleep every night. Uh, they've been eating healthy whole foods and lean meats and treating themselves to a glass of wine or a dessert occasionally. Um, and she says, I take myself to get my nails done or a message or a massage rather every once in a while and talk to friends and family daily, but I still can't seem to stop stressing. So what do you guys think? What do my, my panel of experts think here? Alex is opening up the microphone. Doing all the textbook things that, that, that your therapist tells you to do in the first session. <laughs> well, that's good. You know, they're following what the or, therapist said, or what all the self-help books tell you. This, this is, this all sounds textbook to me. But what I would say is, um, yeah, you got to love that extra sprinkle of anxiety that comes with it. That's always, that's always fun. Um, but stress is like it, it's a, it's an occurrence. It's going to happen. It's, it's, it's not so much. I don't see her dealing with her stress though. I see her doing things to avoid them. And, but I don't see her doing anything to work towards what's stressing her out. I think she needs to get rid of that first and then, you know, have a glass of wine with dessert. Okay. Daniel's laughing again. What do you got, Daniel? And then get a glass of wine with dessert. Like, wait, 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 what? wait a minute. Where did it come from? Um, That's the self-care part. I'm with you. <laughs> um, I'm with Alex. You have to deal with the underlying it challenge. Otherwise, you're just going to keep coming back to the same situation. The allostatic load is going to... So, by the way, I know that because I I found out about that. Allostasis is the opposite of homeostasis. Oh. And when we have too much um, cortisol, our body moves into allostasis because we have a, an increased allostatic load. Ah, okay. Uh, some science. New terminology are. like uh, that. There we go. Um, but the allostatic load is going to be is going to just keep returning. You may be able to reduce it temporarily with medication or some kind of divertive activity. But the cortisol trigger is still going to be in your environment or in your mind. And it's just going to tell the body, hey, we finished distracting with the cake and the wine. Can we go back to producing the cortisol now? Of course, dear mind, I will honor and obey this and give you the cortisol you require. And then you're back to the same situation. So you, you have to deal with the original things like what we we're saying earlier about, you know, the financial situation. Um, 
if you don't deal with the limiting beliefs and the inability to hold the abundance, then you're just going to return back to default. All it takes is you being unconscious for a second. All it takes is the wine to wear for a minute and boom, you're going to be back to where you were at the beginning. So you, you have to address like these people that, oh, yes, I went to see my shaman and, you know, I, I, I went into another dimension. Yeah, but your environment still contains the same triggers. Like you're still the same person. You've still got the same limiting beliefs. You're still having the same BS conversations. You need to address those too, as well as any other deeper healing that you might want to explore. So, yeah, definitely address the thing and then enjoy the wine and dessert, in the words of uh, Lady Alex. I always go back to what EJ says. A man with a strong enough why will be able to overcome any how. Why are you strapped? What is the source of it? I mean, and this might be like the onion where we have to peel back layer after layer after layer because they're only working on the surface as opposed to doing a lot of the more Jungian deep work. But being able to understand the why. And one of the things that I would recommend for them is we have a saying in Ireland that a good friend is the best mirror possible. And so have that person who can have the discussion with you ask you the questions. Why is this? Hey, I'm noticing this. Did you notice this about yourself? You know, you're doing this and this. How does, you know, when you do X, does that make you feel? And so it allows some more rationality into it. Because one of the things that we teach people in the special forces is that the neocortex and the lizard brain, the fear component, can't really operate at the same time. So if you can basically disengage that part of your brain and look at your own thinking, again, the metacognitive components, and try and rationally understand it, it goes a long way to ramping down that fear and that anxiety. Very good. Yeah. I'm loving what you guys are saying here. You guys are giving this uh, this woman some really good advice. I want to throw in something else, too, uh, that I think is a, a really important component here. We as human beings have a very strong tendency, and I see this across the board with, with most people I meet, the only ones who don't have it so much are the ones who, well, they're the ones I have as guests on the show and co-hosts. They're the ones who are exceptional. Uh, but most people have this one tendency, and that tendency is to rely upon external stimulus to determine how we're going to feel about something. When in fact, the truth of the matter is, Every single emotion we have is a choice. And I don't think most of us even think about this. And I don't think most of us even realize it's true. But I can point to it pretty easily by just saying you can talk to three different people about a situation and get three different emotional reactions. So it can't be the situation that's creating the emotion if you can get three different emotional reactions. If it were the situation creating the emotional reaction, everyone should have the same emotional reaction. It should be an A to B, it should be, you know, direct A to A kind of correlation. This situation leads to sadness. This situation leads to happiness. This situation leads to being pissed off. I mean, it, it, it should be like that, but it isn't. Well, why isn't it? Because we actually end up making choices. We default those choices away. We say, well, you know, this always makes me feel X, so therefore I always feel X with that. But that's still a choice. We chose it. So let's take that into account and say to ourselves, well... How do I want to feel differently about whatever is stressing me? Do I like feeling stressed? I might 
on a certain level, there may be a payoff for me to feel stressed. I, uh, I've got a habit that goes on there. I may get certain rewards by, by expressing I'm stressed. You know, I, I express enough stress and people love on me and they give me attention and so forth. Well, you know, there's, there's actually a valid reason for wanting to feel the stress. So again, I say, well, what's your choice in the matter? Your choice so far has been to feel stress. Is that the choice you want to continue to make? If not, what are you willing to feel instead? That's the one question that I think can probably be raised in almost any situation with any problem that people are raising that they can't resolve in their lives. What do you want instead? And the reason I think that's so important is we won't answer that one either. It's the last thing we go to. What do I want instead? No, no, no. I don't want to go there. I want to spend all this time talking about all these things that are going so badly in my life because that's where I'm going to be telling you. This is, this is the important thing, this terrible thing that's going on in my life. Yeah, but what do you want instead? Well, I don't know. I haven't thought about that. <laughs> so, you know, how about looking at what do you want instead of the stress? Where do you want to go? How do you want to feel? What kind of experience do you want to have? Because until you can answer that, it's, it's kind of like, it, it, it's like somebody wanting to have a different experience, but they don't know what it is. And if you can't ask for it because you don't know what it is, how can you get it? Well, you can't. You got to know what you want. So maybe start with knowing what you want instead of being stressed. Just my take. Any more of this one before we move on? I'm good. All right. As you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm all about the gospel of its choice, whether it's conscious or unconscious. And I think, you know, when people are like, well, I didn't have a choice about that. Well, not all, con not all choices are conscious, but there are, they are still your choices. And the conscious time that you are available to engage with your choices, you can actually, in that space, have an impact even on the unconscious choices. So the choice is always there. It is. Add that to what you said. Yeah. And that really comes down to in every decision, you either have the easy choice that makes you feel good in the moment or the harder choice that makes you better overall. And we tend to default to the quick, easy, comfortable whether it's because it's familiar or because it gives us that current bit of pleasure goes to sound a little bit more difficult that leads us on a better path. I'm going to ask you specifically, Joe, about this because you just raised that very interesting point about difficult versus the easy choice. Do you think there is a difference between people who make the tough choices, the, the choices to go down the difficult path versus the ones who make the easy choices in terms of their lives play out? Absolutely. So you know, the people, there's the idea that you take all the money from everybody, redistribute it, and within a generation, you're going to be back to a great uh, distribution of 80-20. And I've seen that repeatedly because, like, you know, Daniel, I've built it and lost it, built it and lost it for a variety of reasons. And it comes down to the choice of, okay, is this what's going to make me feel good in the moment? Or is this what's going to be best for me and my family over the next five and 15 years? And having the capability of choosing the more difficult thing. So I use the example of I'm an ultra runner and last year getting ready for a race. And I came home and it was about six o'clock and it's like, all right, I gotta go run five miles and storms coming. I'm like, uh, I'll skip. No, I can't skip. All right. I'll go downstairs and run the treadmill. 
no, I'm going outside because it's going to rain. It's going to suck. It did rain and it did suck. I had squishy feet and it was gross and nasty, but I knew where I was going through it that it was making me better. And so I made the conscious solution for that short-term discomfort for the longer range result. Came back, had my nice hot shower and everything. And I was like, ah, I just made deposits in my bank account. And why do you think it's a better choice that way? Because you, you're making it clear this is a, a regular pattern for you. You regularly go for the one that you, in your words, that you think is actually better for your family in the long run. Why do you, why do you make the tougher choice like that on such a regular basis? It, at this point, it's who I am because it's been in me for so long, whether it was from martial arts or academics or these other things. But even though I know life can end like that tomorrow, I still need to live as if it's not going to. I mean, my one big long-range goal is to win my uh, race in the age 100-plus division, which means I have to make it that far. So being able to make those choices as to what is going to be the maximum value over time for me and my family, whether it's you know having the burrito now or eating the salad and having more burritos down the road. How did this serve you when you uh, when you won the? I think it was what a Taekwondo title. What what mm-hmm. was the title? It, it was uh, Chungdokwon, which is a form of Taekwondo. But I mean, the bed's nice and warm. You know, you've lived in upstate <laughs> New York. You know how cold it is oh, in yes. the middle of winter. <laughs> so getting up at four thirty in the morning to train, you know, when it's o dark thirty, is not fun. You know, sitting there and you know, hitting a heavy bag for 45 minutes or going through and fighting every single one of my students, one after another for an hour. And, you know, I like to eat, as I said, and, you know, controlling my diet and I like my beer and I didn't have beer for three months. And, you know, these things that it's like, do I want good? Do I want to feel good or do I want to be better? And I've made the choice that I want to be better and ultimately best. And you attribute that as being the reason why you won the tournament. There was visualization uh, every single day of how I was going to win it, and it, but it was doing all the things on the physical, mental, and spiritual level leading up to that that gave me the advantage. And there was no question that I was winning that tournament. The other was guys it? might have thought they were going to win it, but there was no question. Was it worth it? Absolutely, because my mom had never seen me fight before. And so she agreed to come to that day and she walked into where the uh, arena was and saw the last point where I picked up and took this guy with an instant hook kick as I had visualized for six months. And they like point match champion. And that was literally the only time that my mother has ever seen me in a martial art. So. <laughs> Why was that important, though, that, that your mom see that? Because she was always worried that, you know, I'd get my brains beaten in or, you know, that I was wasting my time or these other things. So even though she's the one who got us into martial arts when I was young, you know, the sacrifices that I made around continuing in that space that I continue even to this day, she did not think that they were necessarily the best long range decision because moms always want what's best for us. They want the safe path. They want you to feel good. And my dad's like, go. Go trade. So, you know, having one side that pushes while the other sort of hugs and envelops is the proper sort of balance to be able to be well-grounded. 
Dan, what do you think about this uh, concept of, of going for the hard thing rather than the easy thing? Uh, push your edge and not your buttons. Some people burn out trying to go for the hardest thing all the time, and that's actually the way the mind will have them doing nothing because you end up being a wreck. So, yeah, you need to go for those hard things, otherwise you're going to stay stagnant. But do it in a way that's balanced so that you can actually um, maintain it over the longer term. You agree with that, Joe? Absolutely. I mean, the body needs to rest and recover, as does the mind and spirit. So, you know, if you lift weights, you're actually tearing the muscles a little bit. And so you need to let those heal to ultimately be stronger. So one of the things that we always did is we cycled that roughly six weeks before a big tournament was when you should be getting towards your max training. You know, you have your baseline and everything. But you ramp on up to it, and then you ease off for a couple of days before. The morning of, I would go and work out uh, lightly where nobody else could see me just to knock the rust off. And then you are at your max capacity. You know, in running, they talk about tapering. So there's these whole ideas of, you know, push yourself, but then pull it back a little bit so that you have stuff in the tank ready to go. And, and Dan's signaling that uh, he has another call he has to get to. So, Dan, great catching up with you. Thanks for uh, participating. Nice to have you back, and we'll see you, you know, next time. Nice to be here. Nice to meet you, Joe. And, uh, nice to meet you, too. Bye, Dan. Bye. And, Joe, it's been great having you here, too. Before we part company with you, we need a little more information for you to share with the audience because, first of all, they need to know more about where to find the book. And they need to know where to find you because, uh, you know, you've got some some valuable stuff for them to tap into. So how do they find out more about Joe Templin? So the book is available on Amazon and the website and all the normal places like that. They can follow me on Twitter or Facebook. That is at EDE with Joe. That's at EDE for Everyday Excellence with Joe. That's me. And the website is everyday-excellence.com. And six days a week, I put up a microblog, real quick hit of ideas for people to work on. The podcasts are up there. Uh, they can order books. There's various other things that we put there. So that is a resource for people to tap into whenever they want. Beautiful. Well, thank you very much for you know braving it through with uh, being sick at the same time. I, I have to give you a lot of credit because you're a real trooper for doing that. But uh, we really appreciate it, and we re- appreciate the uh, – contributions you gave during the conversation here because I think you if any of the people who uh, um, posted these posts actually happened to listen to the show, you gave them some valuable advice. So thank you. My pleasure. Walt, thank you. Alex, pleasure meeting you. Talk pleasure soon. Thank you. And Alex, you keep on healing there, girl, okay? We're counting on you. I'm doing the best you. I can. <laughs> you, we know you are, yeah. I'm just trying to give you a little encouragement because you've been through a lot. It. You've been through an awful yeah. lot. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> But I have confidence in you. You're going to be there. You're going to get there. So thank you very much. Thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere. And we will see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.